Hey everybody, I'm Eugene Driscoll, and welcome to Valley Naval Gazing on 103.5 FM WNHH. We're also streaming at valleyindie.org and newhavenindependent.org, and we're available on iTunes. Today, our guest is Jim Florentine, a stand-up comic who's appearing with Don Jameson Thursday, May 19th at River Rock Tavern at 5 Main Street in Derby. Show starts 7.30 p.m., get there early for some music and some dinner, and there's a meet and greet planned after the show. Tickets are available in advance at the restaurant, phone number 203-732-0808. For more info, visit facebook.com slash riverrocktavern. For everything Jim Florentine related, visit jimflorentine.com. And I should also mention that Florentine's partner in crime, Don Jameson, has a new book out. It's called You Might Be a Metalhead. It's a humorous take on the world of hard rock and heavy metal that he wrote with fellow comedian and metalhead Joe Bartnick. So uh, already, anybody who likes Jim Florentine is ready to riot because I've been blabbing on for a minute. But good morning, Jim, and thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, no problem, man. How's it going? It's going. It's going good. I'm excited to have you and Don Jameson coming to, uh, coming to Derby. I'm going to ask about that metal show in a second. But I, I wanted to ask, your son, his name is Luke, is that right? Yeah, Luke, yeah. And, and how old is he? Five. And how do you balance? I mean, obviously, you know, when you're a comic, you're on the road all the time. I got a five-year-old and a three-year-old. I mean, I don't go anywhere, and it's hard to uh, find that life balance with your kids and work. How do you manage that? Well, I got, you know, I, I'm, I'm divorced, so I got joint custody of them. So I got them early in a week, and my ex got them later in a week. So early in a week, I, I stay home with them and don't work. And then later in a week, I go on the road and work. So it actually works out really good with my schedule. And anybody out there who listens to uh, Jim's podcast will know that he had his son on, I guess, uh, I don't know when it was, maybe a year ago or so, and that his son said uh, he likes hanging out with Daddy for, for Starburst and farting, essentially. Oh, yeah, of course. That's, you know, that's all we do. He's just, the other night when my mom, was, my mom was in the front seat, he was in the back, and he just kept farting. He's like, sorry. He's got a big grin on his face. What does your mom and say to mom, that? I can't, I can't hold in my gas. I just can't, can't hold in my gas. It's beautiful. <laughs> That's awesome. And for anyone listening who, who's never turned on a TV, Jim Florentine and Don Jameson, along with the legendary radio guy Eddie Trunk, were the hosts of That Metal Show, which had a 14-season run on VH1 Classic. Uh, the powers that be decided earlier this year to stop recording new episodes of That Metal Show. The last VH1 Classic episode aired a year ago today, actually, at least according to Wikipedia. And so, Jim, i got to ask you the question probably everybody and their brother is asking when they see you. Uh, there was some indication that the show could return elsewhere in some form. What is the latest on that metal show? Yeah, that's where we're, we're, we're still at that point. we got an agent out there shopping at the different networks. Usually when a show gets canceled from a network, they own the show to say goodbye you have no rights to it. We own it. Goodbye. You know, and that's it. And it's done. But they actually said, hey, go. You know, we just can't afford the show anymore. We're doing a bunch of different cuts at the company Viacom, which, you know, corporate, they come in, they slash everything because they're losing money. Right. So one of our show is one of them, along with a ton of other things. And they just say, hey, if you guys want to go out and sell it and get it on another network, you're more than welcome to. So that's a good, I mean, that's a good sign. Usually they don't let you do that. So it takes time with this stuff. we got a couple of agents out there shop and we'll probably know in a couple months what's going on and and i would assume but you know correct me if i'm wrong this is a deal where all three of you got to come back it won't be like uh like two of you do it it's going to be the whole trio 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're all we're all really good friends, so we definitely all would do it together. And, and how absolutely, did you, how did you find out uh, that Viacom or VH1 Classic, whoever the the suits were, how did you find out they were not going to bring the show back? Well, you know, you just knew when you start reading the paper how Viacom's losing a ton of money, and you know that's part of Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, VH1, MTV. You know, and you start seeing all these cuts and people getting fired. People have been there for 20 years at the company. You know, people are working on our show. They're not there anymore. So you see you see a comment. Look, we if it never if it doesn't come back, we're on the air for seven years. That's in, that's unbelievable for a TV show. We did 140 episodes. Yeah, especially in this day and age. I mean, and in like VH1 and MTV, they don't even do music really anymore. And they haven't for, for a generation now. So that, I mean, I really like that metal show. And uh, just to like kiss Jim's... Butter. I like it too. It pays my bills. <laughs> yeah, right. and I got free tickets to concerts. <laughs> so you were you were really like living large. But what's shocking about that? What just threw everybody off? It's like I mean, if you ever flip through the channels, you you had to come across that metal show. It was on the station twenty four hours a day. And and here's the thing: like I'm not even a big metal fan. I mean, I love Black Sabbath, but like you know, I know Zeppelin and Kiss, but I don't know anything past like 1977, essentially. But then I, I when I'd flip through the show. I would watch it. Every, I would give it, you know, after two minutes, you couldn't help uh, th- but get hooked to what you guys would talk about. Uh, and, and that's really, it really says something. You know, you always hear like, you know, Tom Snyder was a great interview show or Dick Cavett or the Bob Costas show later from whenever that was on, uh, on NBC back in the day. But I put that metal show right up there because you got a guy like me who's not a metal fan to listen to guys I didn't know anything about. And it was always interesting. So I'm wondering. That's what always happened. It was, I'm sorry, keep going. No, no, and I was just wondering if you could tell me a little bit about how that show came together, because uh, it, to me it's unique, you know? We, that's, we, we always got a lot of that feedback that, you know, guys' wives weren't into heavy metal, but he, they'd watch, and all of a sudden the wives started watching. Like, I don't really know the bands, but I don't know, I just like watching the show, so that was always a big compliment to us, hmm. you know, that we could pull that off. Um, you know, Eddie, me, Don, and Eddie were friends, and Eddie had a connection at VH1, and he pitched a show. And they gave us money to do one episode, basically, and they liked it. And they just, you know, and it just took off from there. And obviously, it depends on the ratings and everything else. And, you know, that's basically what happened in a nutshell. And did you have pretty much freedom to do whatever you want? Was there, you always hear about, like, interference and stuff like that on shows. But no, you- a lot of times we did. We pretty much, we just kind of said, look, they just want, if we got guys from, you know, Steve Harris from Iron Maiden on, they just want us to interview them and the, the fans, we know what they want. We're a fan ourselves instead of just being silly and joking around all the time and, you know, doing bits and all that stuff. And how did you, how did you first get to know uh, Jameson? I know uh, you guys, I guess, have been friends for a long time. I'm just doing stand-up. You know, I met him back in the day when we were both, uh, you know, early on. He was actually working on MTV, and he was doing stand-up a little, and I met him then. And, you know, we just became friends. You know, we are both... A friend introduced us. He said, hey, he introduced me to Don. He goes, you might like this guy. He's from New Jersey. He likes heavy metal and strippers. <laughs> and me and Don talked for like two hours over like a 12-pack of beers. And uh, who introduced you? Was that like Bob Levy, the Reverend Bob Levy or something? No, it was this guy, Rich Franchese, a friend, comic friend of ours who knew Don because he did a lot of work with him on MTV. Oh, no kidding. All right. So, so let's... It was a match made in heaven. Let's let's switch gears for a second. And I think Don Jameson has some kind of Valley connection. I've heard that he's got either relatives up this way who might be coming to that show uh, in Derby. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I know he's got uh, some connections up this way in the Derby area. But uh, Louie, everybody knows the show 
Louis, you know, by Louis C.K. on the FX networks. And for me, you know, I'm a fan of that show. I watch it once it gets to Netflix because, like I said, I got two kids and no life. Uh, the two best episodes of Louis to me, the one where, where Doug Stanhope plays a comic who stops by uh, Louis's place in New York City, essentially on his way to do himself in. And then last year's season finale in which you played a major role. And if you haven't seen a Jim's episode in Louie, it's streaming on Netflix right now. It first aired about a year ago. But you got to watch uh, The Road Part 1 and then Jim in The Road Part 2. Both Stanhope's episode and your episode are devastating. I mean, it's like emotional, unsettling. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily, uh, it's definitely not laugh-out-loud funny if you've never seen uh, The Louie Show. But uh, all that seems to be Louis' bread and butter. And I just want to know, Jim, how did you get that role, and why did you want to play that guy? I'll play anything, pretty much. Uh, you know, I'm friend. You know, I, I, I'm not good friends with Louis, but we know each other and we see each other around. And and um, he basically said, uh, you know, look, I got a role for you. I'm going to write you in. He told one of his friends, Pam Alden, Alden or whatever. I forget her name. How do you pronounce her last name? That you know, she brought my name. I was working with her. I was doing. I was doing an episode of Californication. Well, you played a Pam Adlon, right? or her yeah. name is. Yeah. Okay. So okay. yeah, I played a pimp. So I'm on a set with Pam, Pam's friends with Louie. I haven't seen Louie in a while, and we're on the set for like three or four days because she works on that show. And um, she tells Louie, "I'm working with Jim Florentine. He's really funny. Oh my god, you know we're having a great time." And he's like, "I got a great idea for Jim. I'm going to write him in an episode of my show." And she tells me that the next day. I'm like, "Wow, that's cool." Cut to two years later, I don't hear anything. I'm like, all right, he's probably just, who knows? You know, he just said that to, you know, who knows? He says that and to everybody. Sudden, a, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll, you know, you, you get all excited and you're like, all right. And then all of a sudden, all this time goes by, another season, another season. And then I got a call. My manager said, hey, Louie wants to, uh, Louie wants you on an episode of his show. He wrote it just for you, for you to play it. He wants to make sure you want to do it. I'm like, I'll do it. I don't even know what it is, but I'll do it. So I read the script. I'm like, of course. And the reason, one one of the reasons he said that, I guess he had an idea for, you know, especially a comic on the road and stuff. He knows I know that character, and also um, that I, you know, I, I've take. He knows. He's always said how he likes that I take upper deckers, and that's how I die in the episode. Because I've done one on a prank call, and I did one on a hidden camera DVD where I took an upper deck, and he was always fascinated by it. So of course you got to put that in there too, which is beautiful. Yeah, that was a, that was a bit shocking. But you know, uh, and and again, like I don't know about comedy, I don't know about the entertainment world. You know, I'm just a local news reporter in, in Derby, Connecticut. But when I know, like, I watched that Stanhope episode, and it seemed to be taking, I thought, from pers- uh, Stanhope's public persona to to some extent. Were you at? Were you ever at one point like that guy Kenny? Was did, were you similar to that guy? Uh, I mean, obviously taking up into upper deckers but how much of that was you no well you know what only well no i was never you always have to share a a condo a a condo usually in the beginning when you first start out with other comedians so you don't know them so you're there with them like four or five days it's weird that you all of a sudden you're you know you got to live with somebody for four or five days you don't even know yeah and comedians are always weird to begin with um, so that, you know, and you just got to deal with them if they're annoying or not. And a lot of times they are, and you're like, ugh, you hide in your room, just like Louie was doing. And I would, you know, when I first started, I, I you know, I, I get into, you know, obviously make a living and stuff, but I really was like into just banging chicks. Right. 
you know, I felt I, I, I considered it like a band, like I was in a band. I'm like, oh my god, this is unbelievable. So yeah, I mean, I, I was never a drinker. I never drank during the day or any of that stuff like that character. But I was always a guy like, hey, let's have a, let's get some girls over here. Let's get some girls over here. So, but I've, but I, I've worked with that guy that I played a million times who just doesn't really care about comedy. He's just in it to have a good time, which is good too. You know what I mean? She's trying to tell Louis, don't take it so serious, you know? Yeah, you had that great just, monologue. Like, was there a lot? I mean, I was impressed. Like, you just knocked it out of the park, and, uh, you know, you were like this thoroughly sort of annoying character there, and you do that monologue with him uh, towards the end of the episode where you kind of explain, where Kenny explains his philosophy in comedy and, and tells Louis to just take it easy. Like, how, we, we get nervous? Were there any kind of nerves going into something like that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing what I did is I made sure that I knew all my lines, you know, because it was a lot of dialogue to know. So I got the script like, you know, a month and a half before and I was I just rehearsed it every day, just went through it. So I knew it. And that's the thing when you do scenes like that, you can't be worrying about what you're going to say, because then it throws you out at a moment, Mm. you know, the serious moment or whatever moment it is. So I knew that stuff like no problem. So that made it a lot easier to really just, you know, put a good effort into it. Yeah, I really thought. Let, let me just uh, follow up. Did, did, are you? I know, like uh, you, you look at uh, Adam Carolla, and he's doing a bunch of indie movies. He did uh, uh, what Road Hard and, and The Hammer, I think. And that's a you know a comic who's sort of transitioning in, into movies. Uh, anything else on the horizon? Did that kind of uh, light a spark in you in any way to pursue other roles like that? Yeah, I mean, I would always like to. It's up, you know, I got to get hired for it. You know. <laughs> I get, you know, I still got audition and stuff. You know, I was all, almost got a role on Dice's uh, show on Showtime. Now, are you buddies with him? Or you, on, he, yeah, he, yeah, we're good friends. Yeah. And so was he like one of the? Uh, I know he was a big influence on you. I guess everybody remembers seeing that Dangerfield special at some point in the early '80s, where it was like Sam Kinison and uh, and Dice, and uh, from what I remember, like uh, was Bob Nelson on that particular? episode two there was a bunch of different ones robert schimmel dice carol liefer and um i think dennis wolfberg and maybe seinfeld were on the dice episode but there was like six of them so there was all different ones and that had a huge i mean dice in particular had a that huge... was in 88 okay okay and yeah. what, what did that do was that when you said all right that's this is what i want to do that's what that? i yeah because i wanted to try to be in a band i was always into the music and stuff and i just didn't have the talent for and i wanted to be on stage I didn't want to work an office job. I was always a fan of comedy. I just never really thought that I would take that route. Mm. And then when I saw him do that, and then I saw Kennison with the bands and, you know, playing guitar with these metal guys, I'm like, oh, man, that's what I want to do. And I'm Eugene Driscoll, and you're listening to Valley Naval Gazing on 103.5 FM WNHH. Today, my guest on the phone is the great stand-up comic Jim Florentine, who just last month released and correct me if i'm uh, if i'm wrong jim uh, a two cd set i'm your savior it's or, a dvd i apologize a, yeah. i apologize it's a dvd but the, the dvd version is a dvd and an audio cd or there's also a download link where you can just download it for five bucks and that's a uh, jimflorentine.com or and, it's a, yeah it's up on itunes it's called i'm your savior it's a one-man show i did a you know a couple years ago that i had and, um, you know, I put it out, it be, you know, more storytelling and I, you know, have a slide slideshow and I do it through pictures and everything else. And I listen there's to a lot of serious moments in it, too. And it's funny, but there's a lot of serious stuff in it, too. Yeah. I listened to your uh, you were on a WTF, I guess, about two years ago, the Mark Marin uh, podcast, which is a really great episode because you guys seem to just uh, I don't know how well you knew each other before that. But like as soon as uh, you hit play on that thing, you guys just go right into stuff. 
and, and you talk about, uh, you know, you lost a loved one uh, to suicide a couple of years back. Uh, and that's kind of what the, the this one-man show was about, essentially, or is that sort of the... Uh... Well, a lot of it, a lot of it just basically, I mean, you know, growing up Catholic and stuff with seven kids, yeah. strict Catholic family, and just, you know, my mom was like the savior. My mom would just basically bring in people, you know, that were sick or anything like that in the neighborhood or anything like that. People always staying at our house because she felt bad for them, so and I just basically took that and ran with it like so every relationship i got in i was you know always found a troubled woman and wanted to save her and always you know and it usually ended in a problem you know i thought i could save and ultimately i could and so the show is basically about like you know my whole life growing up and all that stuff and you know and just meeting these troubled women and then it you know it ends badly and then i you know and then I find happiness through, you know, when I got married, even though that blew up. So I guess I'll have to do a part two. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I'm sorry to hear that because that's one thing you go back in. I mean, I, relationships are relationships. I mean, uh, you know, affairs of the heart. Who knows who has answers? But but how you doing now? I mean, in terms of, uh, I, I heard you on, I, I think it was uh, Opie and Jim. Maybe it was that. I could be wrong. Saying, like, you're, you're probably not going to get married again. Uh, how's the dating life, though? Have you, are you still looking for, for people to save, or is that pretty much under control, I guess? I don't know if that's the right word, but... You know, it's tough when you got a kid. You know, to date and stuff, especially when... And then I work the rest of the week, so it's, not, it's definitely not easy. But, I'm, no, I'm, I, don't, I, I'm not, I would never rule it out, not getting married again. But, you know, it'd probably be a long time before it happened again. No, but it's, it's, it's tough because, you know, I got my son half the time and then I, I work most of the rest of the week. So and the, it's almost like I'm a baseball player. And I, you, you watch baseball? Yeah, yeah. Well, nah, not really, actually. I was going to lie to you, Jim. No, nah, I'm not much of a sports fan. All right, well, anyway, it's, it's almost like being a baseball player and only, only playing against lefties. <laughs> All right, I get that. I get yeah, that. I'm only on the, I only play like two or three games a week. I can play. I, I can hit righties. And what about like in terms of uh, do you get sick of uh, like people like me asking you about your personal life? I mean, you don't really. No, I don't care. You don't really. I, I talk about it on stage. I don't care. I'm, a, I'm an open book about that stuff. What wow. are you gonna do? People like honesty. You know, there's not too many honest people left. Everyone's afraid to say whatever to, what's on their mind. I don't care because you know I'm a stand-up comic that does comedy in nightclubs. <laughs> so there's really nothing you could take away from me. Nice. And I don't do it just to be shocking. I just do it like, hey, this is what, you know, people, you know, that look, that's why, and you cut through everything, that's why half the country is, you know, voting for Trump pretty much because they, they even though they say, oh, my God, he's terrible, they like that the guy speaks his mind, whether they agree on everything or not. And he, that's very rare these days. So uh, there's a lot of the comedy crowd that likes that, too, a person that speaks their mind. Although Trump, my lord, that's a whole other thing. But you, you were on the Apprentice one episode. Well, right? if you have, if you, if you, if you break it down, Hillary lies more than Trump. Oh, we're getting into. I was going to ask you about politics. One thing. I, that, no, I'm just saying. I, you know, you can't. I, you, there's a million things you can attack on Trump. Obviously, absolutely. Yeah. But Hillary is a bigger liar than Trump. Are you going to so, vote for I mean, Trump? You know, is, is he? Are you, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's real. It's a tough one. I might have to sit this one out. Do you ever hesitate? And this is just my personal opinion, but I, you know, I've listened to Stern for years, but he started to lose me a little bit when he started to talk about politics all the time. And, and the same thing with uh, you know, Anthony Cumia really went into politics. It's just my personal thing. It's like I mean, probably because I'm a I'm a reporter. It's like I, I just I if I don't have to hear about politics, I, I don't like to. But uh, do you ever bring that kind of stuff into your act, or is it? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. You know, and it's not because I'm afraid I might divide the room because I actually like dividing the room. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't. I don't have a problem with that. But I just. I don't know. It's just. You know what? I don't know. 
I'm not 100% versed on it, so I'm not going to talk about it. If I really know what I'm talking about, I'll do it. Right, but I don't want to just kind of just pick up, like, you know, a couple points on this and, oh, do the list, this, and, and then that's it. Well, Trump said, he, you know, he's going to ban Muslims. I don't want to just be that guy. Although he just, I don't know. He doesn't care about religion. He doesn't, he'll, he'll fake like he does. He doesn't care. Trump just scares me personally. I can't even, I don't know how to, exp- I, I have trouble, like, explaining to my five-year-old, like, who that guy no, he is definitely, and, he definitely why does, he's but yelling. Hillary, but you know what? Everyone's so sick of the system. Yeah. He's you know like, what I mean? Yeah, like, that's why Trump is, you know, blew everybody out of the water. Everyone, they were like, oh, my God, this, this is a joke. How can Because he's, he's not the system at all. And Hillary was taking money and doing speeches for, you know, Wall Street and Goldman Sachs and stuff like that. Is in bed with them. Is in bed with, you know, Monsanto and the GMOs and poison and food. Well, you just turned into Nick DiPaolo. This is, you know, this, this, this no, because is be you got to take both. Look, and I can, I can, I could do twenty things on Trump right now. Yeah, why he's yeah. a lunatic, and you know, he's a narcissist. And narcissists don't like to lose. And if you call out a narcissist, they're going to cause problems until until they shut you down. Look, anyone that says anything about Trump, he just attacks, attacks, attacks. You can't be as a president. You're not going to be able to attack some country that we need to work with. Yeah, narcissists don't. National Review just came out, you know, the, lead, the Bible of, of the conservative movement going back uh, 40 years just said Trump's unfit uh, to be president, which is, I guess, the news of the, of the weekend. But enough Trump, man. But, Every, everybody's but talking Trump. No, but, but what real thing, narcissists don't play well with others. And as a president of the United States or president of any country, you need to play well. Mm-hmm. You need to meet people halfway. Narcissists don't do that. And he's going to be a major problem. You know, like if one country pisses him off, he's just going to, you know, destroy them instead of working with them. Let's, you know, I hate these people. Let's work with them. Or he'll just send out. That's where he's going to be a major problem. He'll just send out angry tweets all day at uh, at people. Right. Yeah, exactly. Just trash in Saudi Arabia or whatever. At least Hillary will go meet with him and say, let's work this thing out. How about let me ask you about about Howard Stern, you know, because I I don't know how much more uh, time you have. And I don't want to tie up your all your whole day. But uh, from what I understand, Howard Stern who also made a, a run uh, for politics uh, back in the 90s, New York State governor, he, he played a huge part in sort of bringing you to the masses. Is that correct? Would you say, like, Stern was a, was a big break for you? Absolutely, yeah. How did you get on that? Yeah, he had me, he had me on the show, you know, when uh, Jackie left back in whatever, 2001 or whatever around there. He, um, he started having unknown comics come in, and I had a, a CD out where I was messing with telemarketers. And, um, you know... My buddy Don Jameson actually knew Gary, the producer, and he said, my friend's got this prank call CD. Gary kind of knew me a little from the stand-up scene. Hmm. And we gave it to him. He goes, all right, you know, if it's funny, we'll play it. You know, that's all I can guarantee. I'm like, all right. And the next morning, he started playing it. And were you a guy like, like, were you a guy like, Artie, who, who, like Artie Lang who had sort of grown up uh, listening to Stern? Was he in your universe as a kid or, or not? Absolutely. I mean, it was my whole, yeah, Every construction job, you know, crummy job that I had, I'd be on the site. I remember, like, doing a construction job and not, no one was allowed to put the saw on when Howard was on, <laughs> you know, because I needed to hear it. I'm like, no, you just wait till a commercial, because the commercial was like 10 minutes. I go, just wait for a commercial. I don't want to miss this part, you know, some lesbians coming in or whatever. So I, I grew up listening to him. So what was so it just like? just to be on that show and him liking my stuff. That was probably the highlight of my career, like a guy like Howard Stern, who I consider like a Johnny Carson of yeah. comedy, yeah. um, liking my stuff. Yeah, what was it? Was that like a surreal experience? Did you talk to him afterwards? Do you try to get an autograph, or is that going to get you thrown out of the studio? What no, I mean, I went on the show. I've been on the show a ton of times, so I got to right. the point where it was, you know, it was just like, no, because I, I wasn't going to do that right from the beginning. But no, you invited me back as soon as the fir- after the first day I was on. Yeah, and I listened, and, and you were great on that show. And the, uh, 
how about in terms of the Howard Stern show today? Do, do you, uh, uh, well, I won't ask you if you listen. I don't know if you do, if you don't. But what are, what are your thoughts on like the latest incarnation uh, of Stern? You know, like Artie said his piece, I guess, uh, a while back. Uh, what's your take on, on Howard Stern today? Well, I, look, I still listen to the show as much as possible. And, and, you know, I catch it on replays. I got serious. So it's different. But, you know, everybody's my comedy from 10 years ago is different than it is now. Mm. And in 10 years from now, it's going to be different from what I'm doing now. So everybody changed as a person. It's still a great show. And I guess and Stern's track record. I mean, there's no. I don't know if he gets the uh, the, the the respect or, or the adulation that he should. I mean, who else has been on the air or in any form of entertainment for that long? Uh, like, so if he changes a little, yeah, I, I agree with you there. It's like, you, you well, know. to me, like you know, look, when I was a kid listening on the construction sites, I wanted to hear about lesbians and lesbians coming in, girls kissing. But as you know, when it got to the point where girls are coming and taking the top off when he was on the E show, to me that was the least interesting part of the show for me. Yeah. And yeah, then when you know the Sibian and stuff like that, he knew. All right, I'm done with this because you can get porn on the internet. You don't need to listen to a girl on the Sibian on his show when you could see everything for free in two seconds anyway. Unless it's like a celebrity that's going to go on there. So he knew. It was like, all right, I'm done with this. This isn't. Nobody cares about this, which is true. I mean, I think a lot of the audience didn't. Yeah, what, what drew you to the show then? Was it like the kind of the, 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 the backstage uh, politics of it? Or, or like what, what did just you Just that like? he was a rebel, man. He just yeah. never listened to anybody and would just, you know, just wanted to do things his way. It was like that was a great model, you know, and that, he just did it basically his way and just said, no, I'm doing it too bad, too bad. I fired a bunch of times. I love the way he did it. And Fred, when you were on uh, uh, a few years ago uh, back, and, and Jim dated uh, uh, Robin Quivers for a time, when, when Fred Norris would do that Florentine impression, I mean, not to be like Chris Farley interviewing somebody famous, but what was that like to hear Fred? I mean, he was, it was just so good. Uh, it was, was an honor. Like? I mean, he doesn't do that many impressions. And you he nailed I mean? you. So to me, I know. To me, it was an honor. I'm like, I can't believe he's doing an impression of me. I, like, that's the way I took it. I didn't even care what he said. It's like, whatever. I don't worry about that stuff. Like I'm not, I have thick, thick skin with that, but it was funny. You know, he just like, ah, you know, whatever he would say, just something dirty, which I, which I loved. <laughs> and you're one of the comics who was able to straddle both the O and a world and the Howard Stern world. Uh, you know, and I listened to uh, O and a back when they were on NEW in New York a lot. You know, I was commuting to, I own a college every day, uh, 40 miles one way. And, and uh, so they, I really got to, to like them uh, as well. Uh, I was amazed at the, the the breakup of those two. I hadn't listened that much once they went to satellite because I'm a poor reporter with two kids. But uh, was a uh, was it known like behind the scenes? Like, did you know those guys weren't exactly getting along the last couple of years? I had no idea. I mean, I you know I don't get involved in that stuff, and you know I don't I don't know whose radio show doesn't like this this and that. You know, I try not to get involved. Now I just go on there and. I had no idea, but I mean, look, they'd probably still be together if he didn't get fired. And, you know, he got fired. It was more of a human resources thing, so. Now, it's amazing to me that, that like, those guys worked that well together. And they were, I mean, yeah, I like that show. Even though I was a Stern fan, you, you kind of felt when they, when they first came around like you were betraying your, your Stan, Stern fan roots, you know, back in the NEW days. But uh, the fact that they were, they were able to just sort of keep that hidden, I guess, even from you, who, uh, who was on the show regularly, is, is quite amazing to me. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, look, they look. You know, the bottom line is you got to work with people in any job you have that you don't really like, you know, and you just deal with it, you know, especially when you know you got, 
you know, you're making that kind of money and you love the gig, you love the job you have. You so, it. you know, people got to deal with that in everyday life. They right. hate their boss. They hate the person that sits next to them, whatever, but they deal with it. Are you friends with Anthony or Ope? I know you're, you're good friends with Jim Norton. You guys came up together. Are you friends with the other two outside of uh, the radio? No, not really. I don't, you know, I don't, I, you know, I go on their shows and stuff like that, but I don't, uh, I'm not, the, you know, I got my own thing going on. It's tough, you know, with, uh, you know, just my career and travel and all that stuff. I really don't have a lot of time to be friends and that kind of stuff. But there's, you know, no, we're friendly when I come on the show and all that. And you're on quite often, yeah. And, and the reason we're talking to Jim Florentine uh, today on Naval Gazing is that he's appearing May 19th at River Rock Tavern uh, at 5 Main Street in Derby. The show starts at 7.30 p.m. Get there early. The phone number for tickets or you want more info, call 203-732-0808. For more info, visit Facebook.com, River Rock Tavern. For everything Jim Florentine related, including his DVD, I'm Your Saver, Savior, sorry, Jim, visit jimflorentine.com. And my last question, I mean, Don uh, Jameson just came out uh, with a book that's available on Amazon. And, and your life, uh, especially, you know, I, I, I urge people to go look at the Mark Marin uh, podcast that Jim did. Listen to his podcast. Listen to the one on uh, divorce that he did. Uh, really personal uh you know, it's it's good stuff. Read some of the articles he's written uh, about suicide and, and and how that affected him and how he got through that. I say all that because when is the Jim Florentine uh, memoir coming out? It seems like uh, this is a natural uh, uh, progression would be a, a book. Is that happening? I, I, I'm doing a book, more of a comedy book about awful Facebook posts that I rip <laughs> apart and right. stupid vanity plates and, and dumb Instagram and so I'm doing a book on that, and maybe the second one. That one's going to come out at the end of the year. I've been working on it for a while. And then maybe more of a serious one. But the first one will just be, you know, funny, just ripping people's Facebook posts apart and how all they do is brag and want sympathy. Yeah, you know, and I listened to that one, you know, some, that divorce podcast that you did when you, when you talked about uh, social media and, and the role it plays and the destructive force it, it can play, uh, in your opinion. Uh, on marriages. I thought it was interesting. Although I felt like I'm the guy who reads, uh, it's not necessarily my, my wife doing that and getting jealous, but I'm the guy who reads other people's uh, Facebook posts and just feels like a loser. I'm like, oh man, I'm driving around with a car with 155,000 miles on it. So Yeah, but it's all it's all fake. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, okay, so they got a nicer car and they're bragging about it, but you know, now they're working a second or third job, the relationship is faltering because the person's not around all because they want this nice car and they're not seeing their kids and there's problems in the marriage, and you know they're working late. Yeah, so is it? Is it I don't know. Is it worth it? So, and I guess like social media in general is a double-edged sword for you. You would not be on if it wasn't for uh, the fact that you know it, it's a way to. I mean, you you'll reach you'll no, you reach more people I don't think than I do. Like if I got a yeah. if I got family in, in Seattle, I'll just I'll just text them my picture of my kid. <laughs> I'll email them it. I don't need you know I don't need to put it on Facebook. I'll look. You know, well, I have a family in Seattle, so I want to show them a picture of me and my son at the park. I'll just send it to them. Right, that's simple. Yeah, you made a great observation, and I like the people. You were saying that the people have strong marriage that have strong marriages are the people that are not necessarily uh, on their phone uh, every five seconds posting whatever pictures of their meals or, or whatever they're doing. No, absolutely, they're they're not, and they're not just bragging about how how much you know how great their lives are and how great their their significant other is. They're just you know they're just living. 
And then, uh, Jim, just to close out, you, you are coming to Derby, uh, Derby, Connecticut, in, in a few weeks. Uh, now, th- the way you got this gig, and uh, well, do you have any connections up here? Or no, Don just... just Don knew some guy, and he's like, "Hey, you want to do this gig in Derby?" And I'm like, "Okay," and that was it. <laughs> that was the extent of it. There was no, yeah, there's no big story behind. It. He's like, "I go, yeah, I'm, oh yeah, I'm available that night." He goes, "All right, let's do it." Okay, no problem. And in terms of, what... I have no idea. I don't know who who who's the owner or anything about it. But I was like, "Hey, whatever." Give me a stage. I'm ready. There you go. And, and, and what can people expect? Do you guys uh, like do uh, uh, whatever ten minutes separately, or do you come up, sit together? Like, how how's the show uh, work? No, nah, we're just regular stand. You know, he does his thing, I do mine. You know, we both do like forty five minutes apiece. Mm, okay. And then uh, the meet and greet afterward. What can people expect out of that? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Hi. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Did you just? Did I just tell you? Did you just find out? Find out there was a meet and greet, or were you? Aware no, no. Of that? We, we always sell. We always sell merchandise after the show, so we're always available to take pictures and talk to people and stuff. You know, so that you know that's basically the meet and greet. Right. Gotcha. All yeah. Right. Come over. Hey, how are you? Can I get a picture? Sure. Whatever. You know. And we're talking about. Uh, uh, wait. Now I've I forgotten the name of the place. Uh, River Rock Tavern, Five Main Street, Derby. That's right at the uh, Route Thirty Four, Route One Fifteen, across from St. Michael's Church. Jim, you could stop mm-hmm. in for a mass either before or after the show. The good Catholic that you are. Hey, are you raising your son Catholic? Is that uh, is that something? No. You're... No. Muslim. <laughs> Thanks for bringing up Donald Trump at length, and now you're bringing uh, This is good. You're gonna, you know, we're on the radio in New Haven. We got safe spaces at Yale University. Can't be saying this stuff. You're going to get me fired. No, I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't, I don't know. I didn't get him into it yet, so I don't know what I'm going to do. He doesn't start CCT yet, so I'll have to figure that out next year. What's your mother? I mean, I, you know, like, not, uh, not that this is about me, but, but what the heck? I'm behind the microphone. But I, I didn't get my kids baptized, and my mother's about 80 years old, and, and every time I see her, she, she makes that a point uh like it's you know like i'm stabbing her in the back what does your mom say about i got him baptized and i found some like the priest that i'm like look here's 300 bucks he's like you got to show up at mass like three times i'm like look i'm busy i sleep in on sundays it's <laughs> yeah, a... 350 he goes okay fine so i basically got him back so i got him baptized we're at that point so we'll see oh uh, can you hook me up with bob levy would reverend bob levy do that or is that yeah maybe he could do it yeah all right. Well, hey, Jim, I just want to thank you for, for coming on. You know, I'm a fan, uh, and everybody should check you out when you and Don Jameson uh, come up to Derby. And I hope that metal show comes back because we need that show on tele. Hey, what about a podcast? Have you guys ever thought about doing it as a podcast, or is it a— No. No. Why? Did, well, uh, why? What, what are we going to— Yeah, why what not— What are going to do? I mean— Why not? You know, it's just, you, the exposure would be less if you did it uh, as a podcast. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I get. Well, it was almost a podcast in some ways, but yeah, I guess yeah, you're not going to reach the same. No, I mean it's a visual, it's a TV show. You know, Jimmy Fallon's not going to do it for a podcast if the Tonight Show went away. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you just, you know, Jay Leno's not doing a podcast because he's not on a Tonight Show anymore. Who would listen to that? Yeah, that's true. Well, metal fans, but yeah, you're not going to reach reach the same. No, Eddie does a podcast. I do a podcast. There's enough Brock stuff out there. People want a TV show, a format, or a talk show, and talk about different, what's going on and and stuff like that, you know. Unless you want to put up like a hundred grand an episode for a podcast, we'll do it. Because <laughs> I think that's what the TV show costs to shoot or something like that. So okay, nice. All right. No, so I mean, if you want, we'll do it. You got a hundred. You know, what? give us a million. We'll do ten. We'll do ten podcasts. Are you asking me personally, or just putting it out there yeah. rhetorically? No, I'm a I'm a no. local news. I work for a nonprofit news site. But I'm just saying, though, if you want, if you want the pod, we'll do it. 
No, I no, I, I agree with you. It should be on TV. Hey, who was the best interview yet? Who who? What show did you uh, enjoy the uh, the most? What interview did you or guest did you enjoy the most in all your years on uh, that metal show? Ted Nugent. Really, Ted Nugent. I know, okay. I know you're not supposed to say him either. I guess right because no. he's like you know because he's into guns and you know he likes. You know, you know, he doesn't share most people's views, so you're not supposed to even like his music, I guess. But I, I, I don't care. I've liked him as a kid. I don't own guns. I'm not a big gun guy. But right. if he if he wants to shoot his guns, let him shoot his guns. But is that what you liked about him when he came on the show that he that he was into guns or? No, I liked him because it's like I said, I liked him since I was a kid. He was like the first band I got into. Mm. And I finally got to meet him, and he was on the show, and he was great. He didn't talk any politics. And even if he did, I don't care. We've had Tom Morello on, who's far left, and we've had Nugent, who's far right. I don't care. I got to go. We actually right, just... Let me run, man. I got to go. Yeah, gotta, yeah, we just ran it. over. So, hey, Jim, thanks a lot. Thanks, man. Hopefully I'll see you next week. All right, good luck. <laughs>